Well, good morning. As I promised, uh, Chapter 5 of Kamala Sheila's Stages of Meditation, uh, entitled, Chapter 5, entitled, Identifying the Nature of Suffering. It's a long one, so strap in and uh, we'll go through it. So the chapter opens with, The compassionate mind has the nature of wishing all suffering beings to be free from suffering. Meditate on compassion for all sentient beings, because the beings in the three realms of existence are intensely tortured by the three types of suffering in various forms. The Buddha has said that heat and other types of pain constantly torture beings in the hells for a very long time. He has also said that hungry ghosts are scorched by hunger and thirst and experience intense physical suffering. We can also see animals suffering in many miserable ways. They eat each other, become angry, and are hurt and killed. We can see that human beings too experience various acute kinds of pain. Not able to find what they want, they are resentful and harm each other. They suffer the pain of losing the beautiful things they want and confronting the ugly things they do not want, as well as the pain of poverty. So as you go through this, it talks about, again, tying itself back to the previous chapter and how a compassionate mind wants you to release all sentient beings from suffering. It uh, tells us to uh, meditate on compassion for all beings, including yourself, of course. It mentions the three types of suffering. We, we've discussed this earlier. Right? It's the suffering of suffering. And it's the suffering of change. And it's the suffering of conditioned existence. Right? So we can manage the majority of that. And then it talks about different levels of that types of suffering. So you're still going to experience the suffering of conditioned existence. But you don't have to suffer like a hungry ghost. Or you don't have to burn like in hell. If you manage manage your uh, your causes you can minimize the the effects at least the the damaging effects so we go on chapter five identifying the nature of suffering there are those whose minds are bound by various fetters of disturbing emotions like craving desire others are in turmoil with different types of wrong views there are those whose minds are bound by various fetters of disturbing emotions like craving desire. Others are in turmoil with different types of wrong views. These are all causes of misery. Therefore, they are always painful, like being on a precipice. And it goes on. God's suffer the misery of change. For example, signs of impending death and their fall to unfortunate states constantly oppress the minds of gods of the desire realm. How can they live in peace? Pervasive misery is what arises under the power of causes, characterized by actions and disturbing emotions. It has the nature and characteristics of momentary disintegration and pervades all wandering beings. And we continue. Therefore, see all wandering beings 
as immersed in a great fire of misery. Think that they are all like you in not desiring misery at all. Alas, all my beloved sentient beings are in such pain. What can I do to set them free and make their sufferings your own? Whether you are engaged in one-pointed meditation or pursuing your ordinary activities, meditate on compassion at all times. Focusing on all sentient beings and wishing that they all be free from suffering. Begin by meditating on your friends and relatives. Recognize how they experience the various sufferings that have been explained. Then, having seen all sentient beings as equal, with no difference between them, you should meditate on sentient beings to whom you are indifferent. When the compassion you feel towards them is the same as the compassion you feel towards your friends and relatives, meditate on compassion for all sentient beings throughout the ten directions of the universe. And I want to highlight this one quote. Right? So once you're able to apply compassion indifferently, as it were, it mentions that it's time to medita meditate on compassion for all sentient beings. It mentions in all ten directions. This is a reference to north, south, east, west. But it's also talking about oneself. Because there's two directions that lie within oneself. So as I said, that compassion must be applied equally to oneself and others, friend or foe. And so we'll continue with, just as a mother responds to her small, beloved, and suffering child, when you develop a spontaneous and equal sense of compassion towards all sentient beings, you have perfected the practice of compassion. And this is known as great compassion. And it goes on. Meditation on loving kindness begins with friends and people you are fond of. It has the nature of wishing that they meet with happiness. Gradually extend the meditation to include strangers and even your enemies. Habituating yourself to compassion, you will gradually generate a spontaneous wish to liberate all sentient beings. Therefore, having familiarized yourself with compassion on the basis, meditate on awakening mind, on the awakening mind of bodhicitta. Bodhicitta is of two types, conventional and ultimate. Conventional bodhicitta is the cultivation of the initial thought that aspires to attain unsurpassable and perfectly consummated Buddhahood in order to benefit all wandering sentient beings after having taken the vow of compassion to release all of them from suffering. That conventional bodhicitta should be cultivated in a process similar to that described in the chapter on moral ethics. In the Bodhisattva 
Bhumi, generating this mind by taking the Bodhisattva vow before a master who abides by the Bodhisattva precepts. Again, we've mentioned this Bodhisattva. So it's once you've uh, generated that compassion for all beings, including oneself, you're able to devote oneself to the liberation of all sentient beings because it's unavoidable. Uh, when you achieve true equanimity and feeling the suffering of others equally as you do the suffering of your, your loved ones and yourself, it's unavoidable to make this vow. And chapter 5 goes on. After generating the conventional awakening mind of bodhicitta, endeavor to cultivate the ultimate awakening mind of bodhicitta. The ultimate bodhicitta is transcendental and free from all elaborations. It is extremely clear, the object of the ultimate, stainless, unwavering, like a butter lamp undisturbed by the wind. We've talked about this. The conventional bodhicitta is arguably remembering to be. And the ultimate bodhicitta is embodying. You are. There is no difference between uh, your vow and your preferences, your actions. And chapter 5 goes on. This is achieved through constant and respectful familiarity with the yoga of calm, abiding meditation and special insight over a long period of time. I apologize. I had to swallow and I should have stopped. This is achieved through constant and respectful familiarity with the yoga of calm abiding meditation and special insight over a long period of time. So this is important because it's going to explain that calm abiding meditation, shamatha, and special insight, uh, vipassana. This is in the Sanskrit. It's different in the Tibetan. But it is the same. You need to look into with special insight, but remain calm, calm abiding, resident calm, um, stillness. Again, this section goes on. The unraveling of the Thought Sutra says, O Maitreya, you must know that all the virtuous dhammas of hearers, bodhisattvas or tathagata, whether worldly or transcendental, are the fruits of calm abiding meditation and special insight. Since all kinds of concentrations can be included in these two, all yogis must at all times seek calm abiding meditation and special insight. Again, the unraveling of the Thought Sutra says, The Buddha has said it must be known that the teachings of various types of concentrations sought by his hearers, bodhisattvas and tathagatas, are all contained in calm, abiding meditation and special insight. So, pretty simple here. He's just reminding us that uh, the practice is both calm, abiding uh, and special insight. Two sides of a coin. And the chapter goes on, Yogis cannot eliminate mental obscurations merely by familiarizing themselves with calm abiding meditation alone. 
It will only suppress the disturbing emotions and delusions temporarily. Without the light of wisdom, the latent potential of the disturbing emotions cannot be thoroughly destroyed, and therefore their complete destruction will not be possible. For this reason, the unraveling of the Thought Sutra says, concentration can suppress the disturbing emotions properly, and wisdom can thoroughly destroy their latent potential. Again, two sides of a coin. The chapter goes on. The unraveling of the Thought Sutra also says, even if you meditate with single-pointed concentration, you will not destroy the misconception of the self, and your disturbing emotions will disturb you again. This is like Udrak's single-pointed meditation. Um, there is a... It's a, a reference to someone who had uh, attempted... Uh, single-pointed concentration alone. I mean, do you see some critiques? I've explained this before, that we had uh, we had a I don't want to call what would we call it? I mean, a discussion or a seminar. I mean, I don't want to call it what some people will call it like in a they had a discourse on sudden versus gradual enlightenment. And as you can see here, this is the same idea. Using single-pointed concentration alone is referring to um, believers in the sudden school, particularly sudden alone. And the chapter goes on. When the selflessness of phenomena is examined specifically, and meditations are performed on the basis of that analysis. That is the cause of the resultant liberation. No other cause can bring peace. So, I want to go back and remember that it's talking about this misconception of the self. And then when you look at the selflessness of phenomena, it's reminding us that the self does not exist. And most of our delusions and suffering are tied directly to this misperception. And it goes on. Also, the Bodhisattva section says, those who haven't heard these various teachings of the Bodhisattva collection and have also not heard the implemented teaching on the monastic discipline, who think that single-pointed concentration alone is enough, will fall into the pit of arrogance due to pride. As such, they cannot gain complete re release from rebirth, old age, sickness, death, misery, lamentation, suffering, mental unhappiness, and disturbances. Neither do they gain complete liberation from the cycle of the six states of existence, nor from the heaps of suffering mental and physical aggregates. Keeping this in mind, the Tathagata has said that hearing the teachings will help you gain liberation from old age and death. Right? Again, this is why we're working with this. You want to overcome the cycle of birth and death because that is the root of all this suffering. And how you do that is compassion, altruism, 
and minimizing of the self, or simply realizing the emptiness of the self. And the chapter finishes with, For these reasons, those who wish to attain the thoroughly purified, transcendent wisdom by eliminating all obscurations should meditate on wisdom while remaining in calm, abiding meditation. Right? So, yeah. Use insight. Use wisdom as your insight uh, while remaining calm. Can't be much clearer than that, can it? But So there we are. Once again, that was chapter 5, identifying uh, the nature of suffering or the sources of suffering. Uh, chapter 5, in the stages of meditation by Kamala Shila. In this particular translation uh, by Geshe Lobsang Yorghen, uh, Losang Choful Ganchimpa, and Jeremy Russell. I mean, I apologize for destroying those names. Uh, speech by the Dalai Lama, I believe, at one time. I guess I probably should have, uh, yeah. Yeah, he gave his commentary in 89, and I believe this was published later in the 90s. Or at least I got my copy in the 90s. That's why I'm so surprised when I hear so many people misunderstand the teachings. I mean, oh my gosh. Say that you're a Tibetan practitioner, but you believe in a sudden school like Zogchen or Shikantaza. Woo. Woo, woo, woo. I mean, uh, sorry, I apologize. The the newer Zogchen, this idea that it's uh, this sudden uh, enlightenment or you can use single-pointed concentration alone. I don't understand that myself. But, you know, it's not my uh, place to remove that ignorance. It's their job. <laughs>